This is Becoming, episode 110, step four of the Spiritual Surrender series, Grieve, where we talk about how you need to grieve the loss in order to let go of needing a certain outcome. Welcome to Becoming, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I have really enjoyed doing every single step of this series. It's been a really great way for me to process things personally, and it's honestly become such a wonderful creative outlet, almost like a journal to me. But this step in particular has been my very favorite because Erica is joining me today. Welcome, Erica. <laughs> I'm so excited to join you. Do you like being welcomed onto your own podcast? Yeah, it's, it's really great. <laughs> Sorry I ditched you for a while, but I'm so happy to have you back. Yes. So it's been really fun to involve Erica in this process and to see what she might feel is the most meaningful and important to include in this fourth step of spiritual surrender. We got talking about it and we were just like, oh, we just need to do this one together. But this step we're talking about today is grief. Who would have thought (laughs) that this would be part of spiritually surrendering, of letting go? It's part of the process. It's the step that we need to take I think we often feel like grief is something we need to stop doing, but it's actually necessary for us to spiritually surrender. So let's talk a little bit about what grief is. Um, I always look up the definition for topics that we're discussing and defined grief is just the response to loss. So no matter how small it may seem, The loss of an outcome, if it matters to you, is a loss. And it's the physical, emotional response to that loss. I like having that understanding. And and I think it's important to realize that some grief is going to be heavier than other grief. Sometimes it moves through you and it's like a simple process. And sometimes it just gets stuck in you and you have to carry it. And you need to learn what to do with that. We shouldn't dismiss our grief and try to push it down. I think that's a natural reaction for many of us because it hurts and nobody likes to hurt and feel pain. But understanding that it's okay to feel grief, to feel fear and anger. We just need to address these feelings that might be within us. I think it's really important to name them. That's something I've learned over the past few years with talking to different coaches to name the feeling that's going on inside of us and think about where it's coming from. Sometimes you can fully let go of something and turn it over to God. You actually have to give yourself permission and time to feel the grief and the loss that you experienced. With this podcast, we are always trying to be aware of the many different circumstances that you guys might be going through and realizing that grieving is going to be so very individual. Some grief is because of lost opportunities, broken hearts, or unobtained dreams, maybe expecting a certain kind of marriage relationship, or wanting a particular answer to your prayers, or even to overcome particular challenges and weaknesses. Grief can be a physical loss, like the loss of a spouse, the loss of a loved one to death, 
I think many times we end up associating grief only with those physical losses. I know that death feels so much heavier and seems to trump many things we can experience in life, but I don't want you to compare your grief with another individual. It's all based on your personal experiences. We all have these emotional losses in completely different ways, so you just simply cannot compare grief. Yet to grieve something, you really need to truly make peace with not having that thing that you wanted. I think we should cover specific examples. I think that that's really helpful for me to kind of talk about how we can kind of face this grief with different examples. Sure. And I do want to, because it's probably the highest on my mind, is uh, talking about grief in terms of losing a relationship. And this can be through many different things, through the loss of a friendship, the loss of a loved one through death, through divorce, through moving, you name it. But whatever you went through, I want you to understand that it's probably going to cause this shift within you. You're going to feel different, but remember that it will be okay. Right now, it all feels so encompassing, but your life will be beautiful again, just in different ways. Your future is not going to look how you planned or hoped it would be all the time. And the reality of that can feel so overwhelming and defeating. But for me, I just learned that if we fully trust God and his plan for us, everything will be okay. When we stay open-minded about what we can learn from this and the empathy that we now possess because of what we experienced is so incredibly worth it. And we also get opportunity to have new experiences that we wouldn't have been able to because of the loss we went through. There's this quote that I found I just love. It says, grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage, not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness nor a lack of faith. It's the price of love. I don't know who it's from. It said unknown, but I love that so much. Usually when I try to comfort a friend who is experiencing a type of loss, I always am at a loss for words. I don't know what to say because it's just so heavy and heartbreaking. And the only thing that comes to my mind is where there is great pain, that is simply evidence that there was great love. Nobody, no one wants to feel pain, but just knowing that that is proof that you were blessed enough to know what love really felt like makes it feel a little better to me. What a blessing it is to be able to experience that depth of love in your life. And I've heard that it helps to look at loss as a long-term relationship with grief. The relationship is so strong in the beginning. It just is so heavy, but it has to evolve. It's important to Keep moving forward little by little as you are ready. And I hope that you noticed I said moving forward, not moving on. I don't think you ever move on and forget the love, the memories, and the special relationship that you had. You just learn how to keep living, to find happiness in the present moment, and to find reasons for joy and laughter and that continued growth and love in your life. It's so important to just keep moving forward. I love thinking of that as being a long-term relationship where it's so strong. And then as you move through it and move forward, it becomes less intense. I think that's really hopeful. So often we associate grief with loss of a loved one by relationship or by death. I really had my eyes opened with COVID and having so many of us experience grief. And many of us may not have even recognized it at the time. Um, we talked about this in our episode, the quarantine episode with Siri Payne, and she really helped me realize that 
what was happening with so many people and especially with teens that were losing these experiences where that they were experiencing grief and it made me realize that grief can be applied to so many things and nobody came out unscathed in COVID, whether it was your prom that you missed, your favorite restaurant closed, your monthly girls night got canceled, a trip maybe got rescheduled or your favorite treat was no longer in stock. I know that sounds silly, but we all experienced something that was a loss. Mm -hmm. And even if others didn't feel the same about your same situation, those are real. And it really helped me open my eyes to other scenarios in which we can feel that grief and let ourselves be able to go through those um, feelings. That's a really good point. And I was researching and thinking about this and I came across an article written on recoverfromgrief.com and they talk about how every loss comes with pain and adjustments that we need to make. You're not alone. And knowing the stages of grief might help you see the light that's at the end of the tunnel. It's so important to interpret the stages loosely and expect to have individual variation. There's no neat progression through one stage to the next. In reality, there is much looping back, or the stages can even hit all at the same time, or they might occur completely out of order. So you guys might be asking yourself, like, why would I even bother with the stages of grief then? But it's just because they're a really good general guide as to what to expect when you're going through something heavy or heartbreaking and dealing with this grief and loss. So Erica, why don't you actually tell people what I'm talking about here and go over the specific stages of grief. There are generally accepted five stages of grief and we'll just go over those briefly. So the first stage, which again, this is not a linear, like this is the first stage that everybody hits, but the first is denial and shock. The second anger. The third is bargaining, which I had to kind of look into this because I didn't really know what that meant, but kind of going through if I had only done this, then this would have happened. Um, and we can do that in lots of different ways, but kind of playing through those scenarios. And then four is depression and withdrawal. Five, acceptance and reorganization. So let's talk a little bit about how these stages work. They're often called a cycle. They're not linear, as we talked about. Um, and sometimes there's like arrows in between the cycle and everything like that. Um, it's just so uniquely individual. And if you are experiencing grief, you probably will experience all of them, maybe not at the same strength, but all of them may be felt, which is why the model is helpful. Um, and this is very interesting as we, as we talked about this with Tani's personal experience of going through a divorce this last year. Um, I know that many of you may have heard a little bit about Tani's story, but um, you know, as she was going through it, she was taking on a lot of crazy hard things like moving and getting your house ready to sell and all sorts of other technical and logistical things. And at the same time, here I am best friend being like, Oh my gosh, I'm so worried about you. Like you're not okay. And, but really it was just different. It was different than what I maybe thought that it should be. Um, but yeah, your example was very interesting. Well, yeah, because I think you were assuming I would be at a different stage, which I think you were expecting me to be in like the, the anger or the bargaining or the depression. And I remember you saying like, why aren't you crying? You need to cry to me. You need to be, I'm here. And I'm like, I'm actually okay. And as I look at this, 
uh, it's interesting because I think I started with step five, which is acceptance and reorganization. I just felt like, you know what? I've been through similar experiences. I've been through grief. And I know that what I need to do right now is what's in front of me. I've got all this work to do. I've got all these logistical things. And that's what I focused on. And I thought, I'm fine. I really am. I had emotionally, I'm really good at being self-aware and being like, oh yeah, this is what this feels like. And I just didn't feel the need to go through this heavy grief then. And I, yeah, uh, you and many others were like, what? You're not okay. You're just faking it. You're faking it to us. I'm like, no, I'm really, I'm doing okay. And I was, but what's really weird is, you know, after I did that acceptance reorganization, I moved every model to house. It was, it was heavy and hard. Don't get me wrong. Um, I was very sad and it was frustrating and disappointing. Um, but I didn't have that deep depression and grief and denial and all of those things yet. But, um, you know, I was in my home with Dan. We were doing really well co-parenting while our house was selling and getting along fine. And then I moved in with my parents while my house was being remodeled. I went to Utah for like six weeks and I was still doing okay, but it wasn't until I moved into my home uh, by myself with my kids. I mean, moving alone is enough to put someone over the edge, I think. But then on top of that, it was all of the sudden, the other steps hit me. I was in depression and withdrawal. I was just like, I remember just waking up in the night going, what in the world just happened? It was like an out-of-body experience. Like, how did I get here? I'm in this house by myself and I've got to be a single mom and I've got to, you know, manage my home by myself, all the cooking and the cleaning and the child care and, you know, just making sure everyone is emotionally okay. And am I, mo am I emotionally okay? All of these steps that I, I mean, it had been months, months and months that I thought, I'm good. I don't, somehow I got away without having to deal with all of that. And then I wasn't good and I wasn't okay. And I really, really was struggling. And it was a lot to adjust to and a lot to come to terms with. And so that's why we're saying here, this isn't going to look like, okay, check off the box. I got over my denial and my shock. No, it's different things are going to trigger you to put you back to a certain, certain step. And it's going to bounce around and you're going to be like, oh boy, I thought I was fine with this, but I'm not. And it's, that's okay. Just understanding like I'm a human and I can't control which stage I'm going to pop in and out of, but recognizing that I can be aware of what's going on and be like really present in the moment and name what I'm feeling. And I don't want to push it down and I want to deal with it. That's been really interesting to me as I've studied about this grief process. I'm looking at myself from almost a, a bird's eye perspective. I'm like, oh, that's what was going on. Because it was really confusing to me. I thought I was fine and I get here and I definitely did not feel fine. So it helps me to process that. I'm like, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, I think that that's so helpful to see kind of your timeline too. I think that one of the biggest things to take away about grief is that the more deep and painful the grief is, that the time is even more lengthy and it, the long-term relationship is where that comes in at hand. You know, there are a lot of things that are 
maybe when we we're talking about not comparing your grief to someone else's, but comparing your own experiences of grief to other experiences of grief, you may have one situation that makes you feel grief for a much longer period of time. And then another experience is you're able to move through it a little quicker. And I think that that's something that's really powerful is just understanding that time is going to be one of the biggest factors of grief. And for your situation, it was so much about the circumstances, so much about the timing. And I didn't feel like yeah. you were avoiding it. You've talked so much about numbing before. And so you were, you were still feeling feelings. You were still feeling sad, but there was, you know, the overall encompassing thing wasn't those stages of grief. It is something that is very common for people to do experiencing grief is to use numbing habits and try to suppress those feelings because it is so painful. Oh, absolutely. And for many people, grief is just too painful to bear. And so they end up avoiding those feelings and they push them down. They sweep them under a rug. They throw them in the closet and lock it and hide the key. I mean, how many other metaphors can we come yes. up with, right? One of my favorite is like putting it on the shelf. So imagine we have these shelves and when something comes up, we're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to fill this right now. I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to put it on the shelf nicely. I'm just going to start stacking them up. I will, I'm going to deal with this later. And when something else comes up again, we decide to just keep stacking it on this metaphorical shelf. But guess what? The shelf can only hold so much weight. It is going to come crashing down. I promise you that. At some point, the unfaced grief will come to a head and it will not allow you to shove it down anymore. It's going to manifest itself in undesirable ways in your future. We need to address it. Otherwise, possible health problems can come. I've seen this happen when people just suppress it. They end up becoming ill in different ways. And that's really scary to me. Or you might end up stalling future relationships because you're realizing, oh boy, there's these things I haven't dealt with yet. And that... Uh, and they present themselves in different problems in your relationship. And often, like you said, it comes as numbing. We numb ourselves and that can end up causing addiction problems later on. So these are things that, yeah, keep in mind that shelf. Like how saggy is your shelf getting? Should we pull those things down and address it before it breaks and comes crashing down? It really causes a problem in your life. I love visualizing that. It's very helpful. I think grief is kind of annoying because so annoying. Sorry. to a personality like mine, I just want to look at it like a checklist. Like, okay, I'm going through all the steps, check, 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 and you need to get through it to move on and complete the process. But it takes time. It's more complicated than that. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that you do have to face it and you have to figure out how to really face it. We're talking about, okay, it's going to come at you, which it may, but you also need to like address it and figure out ways that you can help express yourself and be able to recognize these things so that you're not just avoiding it. Let that time happen. The time is important, but if you're not addressing it, then the time isn't really helping you. Yeah. And understanding that people who aren't feeling what you're feeling, just the outsiders looking in, they might not understand this. And they might feel like it's time for you to just get over it. Okay. Okay. That happened a while ago. Time to get over it and join the land of the living again. Just knowing that your desire to be alone with your sad reflections is normal. And it will help you deal with those outside pressures. You are acting normally 
And sometimes other people just aren't going to get what part of the process you're going through. But that's okay. I want you to also understand that if these five stages of grief don't quite resonate with you, there are some other terms that might resonate with you when thinking about grief. So there's words like disbelief, shock, guilt, resentment, remorse, self-pity or self-anger, sorrow, helplessness or hopelessness and despair. Those are heavy, really difficult feelings that you need to acknowledge. And I kind of picture this as a downward spiral, even a staircase. And you're just like just getting deeper and it's heavy and it's hard and it's kind of pulling you down. But there's a process of letting go, like we're talking about, spiritually surrendering. And when you let go of your grip of that staircase that you're holding on so tightly to, and you just let go and you quit fighting and you decide to surrender, that is when you can start rebuilding and going back up that staircase and feeling more like yourself again. And those feelings are going to be like faith, hope, admitting or acknowledging what you're going through, remembering, sharing and talking about it with someone else, accepting your circumstance, saying goodbye to what you thought your life would look like, and then coming to a peace and a place of serenity. And then you can start planning and getting into the action phase. And that's where I prefer to be, obviously, because I went straight to stage five with reorganization. I like movement. I like to be able to feel like I have some control. But it wasn't until I let go that I started being able to have control because I was able to start rebuilding again with God and with the spiritual surrender in mind. Another thought that's helpful is to just understand that you're watching for your movement through the phases so that you don't get stuck in the negative phases. I think that that's kind of helpful because for me, I'm like, I want some tools of how to like get through them, but you're, you're acknowledging them, you're feeling the feelings and you're trying to move through them and not just ignoring them. So I think that that's one of those things. So those, those words really help me to kind of see like there's a light. There are more steps than just the hard steps. Exactly. And like I said, out of true surrender, then comes the strength. When we let go of our grip, we're going to be so exhausted because what you just went through was so difficult. And when I say you're going to find strength again, it most likely won't be your personal strength. This is when you learn to rely on the strength of your Savior and the atonement. Yeah, I love being able to bring in the power of our relationship with the savior with grief. I think it's super critical and it can really, grief can really make us question God. We don't understand it. And especially when we talk about like loss of a loved one, you know, a lot of times we feel like why we want to understand why. And it just hurts so badly. But grief is not something we should avoid. It's something that we should accept, accept the pain because it's normal. It's actually part of healing. And I really think that that's important to remember. And I found an awesome article called The Healing Power of Grief. And it's by Stephen Eastman. We've talked a little bit about the loss of a loved one, again, because grief is so synonymous with loss of a loved one by death. And I think it's so fair to say that it bring some of the most powerful feelings of grief. 
And this article talked a lot about that and these same principles can be applied to other types of grief, but I think it's important that we do talk about that. The article talked about how important it is that we allow grief to happen and to give it time. The article says, grieving is not a brief process. Be patient with it and give it time. As a physical wound, the pain of losing a loved one requires time to heal. Grief is the price we pay for loving someone, and that price is worth it. My favorite takeaway from the article was in using the atonement to heal. Peace is not reserved for the next life only, and we can feel that peace now. And the article just talks about how in the very moment when we are feeling pain, we can turn to him again and again. And using the Savior to help us through our grief, through those stages, moving to the next stages. I think that that's one of our most powerful tools that we can use. And I have come to appreciate that grief is really not something to avoid. It is something that heals and we just need to allow it to happen instead of running from it. Oh, that's so true. That is so true. And I love that you brought that up because honestly, no matter what process I went through or any counselor or anything, the most pivotal change in me is when I go to God. That is the only way for me to really heal and recover that I've noticed. All of those other steps and tools are so important, but he's where lasting change and joy can be found, even during your most difficult heartbreaks and loss. I think I really want to close this episode with the quote from President Thomas S. Monson. It speaks to how we can use grief to become even more than we are now. And that's something we love to talk about here at Becoming. He says, Our Heavenly Father knows that we learn and grow and become stronger as we face and survive the trials we have. We know that there are times when we will experience heartbreaking sorrow, when we will grieve, and we may be tested to our limits. However, such difficulties allow us to change for the better, to rebuild our lives in the way our Heavenly Father teaches us, and to become something different than we were, better than we were, more understanding than we were, more empathetic than we were, with stronger testimonies than we had before. His words are so beautiful, and it gives meaning and purpose behind what we went through. That's something that my brain needs. I need to know. I'm a, Connectedness is one of my top five strengths. I need to know why things happen to make sense of them. When I can put that understanding in, this is something I needed to go through to develop to help me become better than I was, then that's enough for me. And that gives me a little more peace to move forward. I love finding the purpose in it and it allows us to really normalize those feelings and not run away from them. Exactly. And it's a process that we're learning through these seven steps. And I think it's helping me heal along the way. And I hope this has been helpful for all of you guys as well. And I hope that you will join us next week as we learn about the fifth step of spiritual surrender, which is how to accept and trust God. It's going to be a good one. Thanks for letting me join you today. Oh, I had so much fun with you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you guys next time. Promptly Journals was created on the belief that journaling the meaningful moments shouldn't be difficult or time-consuming. With so many types of journals, you are going to find one that you love. They have the Loom Parent-Child Connection Journal, 
with simple prompts, beautiful illustrations, and activities to help children between the ages of 5 to 18 and parents connect and start conversations that you would not have been able to verbally. I just bought a few of my own journals and not only are they beautifully made, but I loved them so much we knew we had to share them with you. To view available journal options, click on the link in our bio and use the code BECOMING to get 10% off. It's really important to interpret. It's really important to interpret the stages loosely and expect much. Sorry, my computer just did something. And expect much. I think that's weird saying. It is important. Good. It is important to interpret. Why do I keep saying interpret? That is so weird. (laughs) Okay, sorry. It's so important to interpret. Oh my, interpret. It's so important to interpret. Interpret. It's so so important to interpret. It's because you're saying so many I's in a row. Oh my gosh. It's so important to interpret the stages loosely and to expect. I said that laughing. You did. Okay. Get it together, Tawny. (laughs) Uh, 